Flex and Frooms. The Flex and Frooms catch-up podcast. Flex and Frooms. It's Flex and Frooms on Kato. We are here with you from 3 to 5 p.m. on weeknights. And Flexi, as you know, I'm a Melbourne stan. It's where I grew up. Um, it's my favourite city. Is it my favourite city in the world? I would say nostalgic-wise. It's hard to it's hard to separate the upbringing from the city. I will say it's a bit flat. It's not enough undulating hills. Oh, I was like flat in what yeah. way? I like hills as well visually. Picking favourites. I don't know if I'm into that these days. Really? Because if you said, what's your favourite song, movie, food, I would have the same kind of response. Oh, it's hard to pick a favourite and depends a lot. It's a it's a very loaded question. Yeah, because you know when you say it, someone's going to hold you to it. Oh, that's your favourite. What do you like about it? I would do I would do the same thing. If you said Melbourne's your favourite city, I'd be like, well, there's heaps of cities in the world. <laughs> All right, list them off. <laughs> list off your second and sis. Let's do some comparisons. <laughs> so, yeah, Melbourne's very flat. If you're from Melbourne and you've never considered that, I might just ruin your day. Um, <laughs> something changes in your brain when you can see things from all different angles, I swear. It makes you more hopeful. That's all I'll say. That's why you should come up to Sydney for a little sabbatical, a little three-month stint over summer, get a sublease. Go anywhere. Nah, Sydney's way hillier than Melbourne. I'm just saying if you're going to compare the two cities in terms of hilliness. Oh, is that all we're doing? Yeah, 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 yeah. Got it. Just hills. No other vibes. That's just too complicated. There is an exhibit on in Melbourne right now. It's called Melbourne Now. It's on until August. Um, I don't exactly know what it is. I think I want to check it out next weekend, but I know that my friend M Nolan, who's a designer, has one of her designs there and it's got art there. And they have something that has really piqued my interest that I really want to try. It's a death simulation. What does that mean? Well, it's made enough headlines that it's all around the world. This is an article from the Mirror UK. There's a guy called Sean Gladwell and he's created a death stimulator, which shows simulator. you. Simulator. A death stimulator. <laughs> What's the difference? Stimulator is like I'm going to, I'm stimulating you. I'm like, but a simulator, <laughs> us moving around. <laughs> a simulator is like a, um, uh, like a, a, ga- like a we're game, like p- putting you in an environment that gives you the impression that you're experiencing this thing. If I'm playing a farm simulator, I'm doing the activity of a farmer. I'm simulating farming. On a technicality, I will say I'm correct because it does shake you, this death simulator. <laughs> simulator. <laughs> so this is a guy and he's yeah created this simulator. What does it kind of look like? It looks like you're behind a sheath and you're all on hospital beds mm. and you're hooked up to monitors and you're also hooked up to a heart rate monitor. So if it gets too crazy at any point, you just put your hand up and they'll whisk you away. It all started, so he's an artist. It's called Passing Electrical Storms and it's all about guiding participants through a stimulated de-escalation of life from cardiac arrest through to brain death. So then they get actors to come in and pretend like they're doctors, like come over you, you get these goggles that show you what you're like from above and all of this stuff. We have not read The Body Keeps the Score. Why are we doing simulated trauma? (laughs) Someone said that like on TikTok they had gone on it and then said what their experience was and they said they can see how it causes anxiety and panic because it borderlines on what death is actually like. What happens is you're laying down, the bed vibrates, you flatline. The doctors come over the top of you. You can see yourself in the goggles. They try to revive you. It doesn't work. And then you float up past them into space and it keeps going. So I'm assuming this is some kind of visual experience. I definitely have to come back and do it and explain it. I want to throw this over to our podcast because near-death experiences 
I've heard a million of them. You see the light of the tunnel. You don't see the light of the tunnel. Uh, Have you ever met someone who's had a near-death experience? No. Not that I know of. Not that you know of. The only person that I know who has was my mum. She was kayak she was whitewater rafting I think Mm -hmm. and she got thrown over the side and no one knew where she was and she was actually trapped onto the boat and she said that she panicked for ages and then she just accepted it and then she got pulled out of the water so as you can see there's a lot of um near-death experiences around the water with my family as you will know if you're um a regular listener of the show it was just a year ago now that I had a near-death experience in Bali swimming where there was red flags please remember never swim near the red flags, it means don't go there. Unlike when you're at your Bondi beaches and your Tamaramas and whatnot. <sighs> what do I think happens just before you die? Well, before you answer that, what's appealing to you about this experience? I like immersive art galleries. I think they're really fun. One of my favourites is Mona. They've got a lot of kind of like intense audio sensory experiences. My favourite one, which is also so gross, is obviously the fart simulator or the poo simulator who thinks of that like imagine the kind of research you had to do it's genius I love art that like if you're not an arty person you can still enjoy it and still get a similar effect out of it yeah however I would encourage people if you have the time and the means to just go to galleries on a random day to like try and get into the art practice and why because it helps you look at life in a different way and I think you can appreciate art more um like I've got a friend who makes art that's like sculptures and I think if you were just looking at them, you think, oh, they're just like a random sculptures where you like put all this stuff together. But when I hear about her artistic proce- process and I've seen it firsthand, even the act of her creating this massive body of work across many, many years, it adds to the law of how you create these works. I just think I would like it because I haven't thought that much about death. Like I'm not – I'm not religious, like I haven't really looked into it that much. I have always assumed that nothing happens. Like I don't really believe in reincarnation. I don't not believe in it. I just like haven't been around that many people that believe um, in that kind of stuff. So I like the idea of practicing it out because I think we all think about what's it going to be like after I die? Like are people going to even be sad? I would love to know like what are people going to write on the little cards to my family? What kind of flowers are we getting? Like are we going to be using my um, playlist and the death? Like am I doing an open casket? So I think it would be a humbling experience to do this simulator, go do it and then go to Chin Chin for lunch. Do you know what I mean? Like then go and enjoy your life for what it is. Go and talk to your friends. It's a really great way to like bring up the topic of death because it's definitely – I don't think we like talk about it. And for good reason. There's a lot of like superstition around talking about death. Like even now – Is there? I think so. Even now me talking about it, I'm like, oh, am I like willing this into existence? If you believe in manifestation and you talk about it too much. That's not how manifesting works. Well, I think it is for some people. Oh, yeah, like if you – if you talk about something enough, like you talk, well, yeah, like you've said to me before, if you keep saying that thing about yourself. Yeah, but that's that's like neuroplasticity. I think that the way you speak about yourself in particular informs the way you see the world, right? So um, your brain can't tell the difference between reality and fantasy and your subconscious mind is storing everything you've ever seen, smelled, touched, heard, experienced and is giving you and it's like, processing this data in real time so I think it's a waste of your space to think so negatively or to say things negatively because even though you may not consciously think you feel that way well your brain 
is like, well, I've heard you call yourself silly or dumb as many times as I've heard you call yourself smart and intelligent. So, <laughs> so let's go with that king. At this, at this point. <laughs> We're going to take a random stab. But I do, I do believe people should, should think and speak really intentionally, but I don't want to scare people into thinking like, because you said it, it's going to happen. Not everyone's that gifted. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but it's like, it's like in the same vein as touch wood. Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting because I used to be really flippant with the media that I consumed, like heaps of horror movies. Um, I had a, like a small true crime era, heaps of sad music. I was like, I really want to go to um, a, a ghost tour type thing. You know, all of those kinds of things that you expose yourself to for a thrill. It's exciting to be interacting with things that are so unique and rare. But just knowing that your body can't tell the difference you're not leaving that experience going, I need to deal with that for a second. So you know how after you watch a horror movie, you see the most insane traumatic things, you're scared, your cortisol levels are rising, you're grabbing your friend, you're shaking. At one point you're actually like, you're like really, really scared, but you don't want to say anything. And then you just leave and go home and wonder why you're tense the next day, you're heaps anxious, you keep having nightmares. And so when I see this, when I hear about this experience, I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. But I'm also like, is the payoff worthwhile? Mm. No, because that's next level. You're putting, I'm assuming it's VR, like you. I think it must be, yeah. So you've got a VR headset on that's letting you see yourself from a bird's eye view as people resuscitate you. <laughs> You're hearing yourself flatline. Everybody's freaking out. You go into space. Um, it sounds cool, but I'm just like, I've got already layers and layers of stuff I got to deal with and a whole lifetime of extra trauma to experience. I don't think I can be playing around on a random Tuesday with Frumi going, oh, would not cool to die? <laughs> Let's die today. <laughs> I will say I agree with the horror movie stuff. Like I think I, I reckon I've said it like 10 times on this podcast, but um, when I watch Black Mirror. Say it for 11th. <laughs> yeah, 11, 11. Um, <laughs> when I would watch Black Mirror in the holidays, over summer holidays, and I just watched like three episodes in a row. It was not good for me. It mm. sent me into a little mini episode of feeling shit. So, yeah, I like the idea of being a bit more conscious, particularly about um, scary stuff. Yeah, we like gambling, but let's let's know that the risk is worth it. Oh, we're going to the death simulator for Oh, sure. you have to go. If I can this, get this in. This is next level. But I'm just saying, I'm like, I'm freaking out now. I'm like, oh, is it going to be worth it? Anyway, we'll talk about it later. You've been listening to the Flex and Froome's daily podcast. For more, tune in to Cater on DAB or stream it on iHeartRadio.